So, Tradespert, we'll start with Everton. Um, and obviously, you've made a few big signings over the off-season in the managerial department with Komen uh, and Walsh um, being appointed by the club. Um, how do you see that impacting your ability to take that next step up and compete with the bigger clubs? Well, from a fan's perspective, I think it, it does show serious intent because whilst there hasn't been any money being spent, I think that it shows that the club's going in the right direction. Um because I, I think both Walsh and Kuman are very big coops for the club. And without Mashiri, the new major shareholder, I seriously doubt whether we would have signed, been able to sign either of these guys. So personally, I think we've got the two, two potential huge keys going forward for us. Um, in all honesty, I think Kuman was probably not the top of my list. But the top of my list was Jose Mourinho, then Unai Emery, and <laughs> they've gone to PSG and Manchester United, two clubs that we're not going to be able to, to match with in many, many ways. And so you I also, think, yeah, you're also very... linked with Pellegrini, weren't you? Yeah, we were linked with Pellegrini, somebody who I personally wasn't overly sold yeah. on. Okay. Um, I think behind Mourinho and Emery, who were probably never going to happen. I think Kuman was the right man for the job. I think Pellegrini was a little bit unproven to me on the transfer market. Um, tactically, I think he's actually quite a good good manager and has a lot of experience. But yeah, I just don't really back him in on the transfer market. And I think he's, he's, he's tried. You know what you're going to get out of him. Kuman's somebody that has had a ridiculous amount of success as a player and quite a good amount of success as a manager who's still reasonably young in the manager game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited going forward with Walsh and Koeman at the helm. And then you've obviously had a breakthrough in the transfer market recently with the signing of Gay from um, Aston Villa. Do you, do you expect uh, a couple more signings to be coming in? Well, I hope so. No, I'm, I'm quite confident, quite confident that they will um, be quite active. I've been saying... For a long time now, it's finally going to start happening, and it's a bit scary that we're going to be going into the start of the season quite underdone. Um, like we've signed Stecklenburg as well, but realistically, he's now going to go into the Tottenham game next Saturday as our first choice keeper, and that <laughs> that doesn't that just just doesn't sit too well with me. Um, Yagi Elk is only just back at at training, so there's no way he's going to be fit and ready to start. Start whether Stones will play. I'm, I'm presuming he, he'll play if he's still at the club. But if we sell Stones over the next week, Yagi Elka's not fit. That just leaves Funes Mori and one of the kids, probably Holgate, will have to play centre back against Tottenham. And in for the Premier League, three points can be the difference between multiple positions. So if you don't start the season well, that'll stick with you for the whole season as well as Tottenham seen earlier on, as JD was saying earlier in the podcast. So I'm scared that we're currently underdone, but yeah, I'm confident that the transfers will finally start rolling in. I think we sort of need to have that big transfer and then that'll sort of show the other targets, oh wait, JD, uh, serious. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Everton's yeah. serious and then hopefully that can be a way of <laughs> the floodgates start opening and we finally start spending some money. JD, I'm sure he's sitting there licking his lips at the sound of um, yeah. how you go. <laughs> um, did you have anything you wanted to ask about Everton? 
Um, so who who does seem likely to to sign there between now and the end of the window? Well, we've been it's been sort of a strange window because you you have your little papers and pretty crappy sources linking clubs with every single player, but any serious links have been the been over the same players. So Ashley Williams is somebody who I'm still confident will be able to sign. Swansea City knocked back a $10 million, a $10 million offer, according to just about everybody, So, which surprised me quite a bit because I thought £10 million for somebody who's just about 32, even though he's a top, top-class player. I think that's quite a bit of money. So Sky Sports have reported that we've come back with a £12 million offer and nothing's really been said over the last day or two. So hopefully we can sign him. Um, I expect stones to go so that would then mean that somebody else will have to come in Kulavali would be from Napoli would be an absolutely amazing recruit I seriously think outside of the top top clubs he's the best centre back going around I'm talking about like at Manchester um, Barca Real all those sort of clubs um, so I think he would be an outstanding recruit um, is that a likely is that a likely get, though, or is that a bit... I, I actually... I think we seriously could get him if Chelsea pull out of the race. Yeah. I, I I expect Chelsea to be able to sign him. I would expect him to pick Chelsea over us, but if Chelsea pull out, like they've been linked with Manolas from Roma, if they sign somebody like him or Mustafi from Valencia, um, if they get somebody else, then that'll rule them out of the race, and I seriously think that we can, because nobody else is going to... Well, been reported to, but I can't see anybody else spending over forty million pounds currently on a on a centre back. Um, and, and and you've touched on you touched on a bit earlier in it, but how likely is it that Stones and um, Lukaku in particular would be leaving in the window? Uh, um, I expect Stones to go. I think it's just a matter of both Everton and Manchester City being really stubborn. Um, Everton want the fifty mil. I think City will eventually pay it, but they'll pay it when <laughs> when they're ready to to do it or it might be the way the payments come across or add-ons or whatever whatever they want to do to work out the deal. I expect Stones to go. I'm quite quietly confident on Lukaku staying. Um, I know there's been all the Chelsea links, but I just can't see why Chelsea need another striker. Of that standard, like if they want to bring in a fresh new young striker, somebody who can work their way into the team, but I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but is it Bat Shuai or who they've just signed yeah. from Marseille? Yeah, they've just spent 30 mil on him. They've got Costa yeah. and Lukaku. They're three players that are all going to be wanting to to play every single week. And how do you how do you fit that? Conte usually plays with one striker, I believe. So. How are three players going to start every single week who all play the same position? That's, I just don't see it happening. And you can't replace a player like Lukaku, I feel. Um, as we sort of touched on with Arsenal earlier in the podcast, there's your Messi's, there's your Neymar, Aguero, Lewandowski, all that sort of players. But other than those sort of names at the big, big clubs, there's no strikers that Everton could come close to who would be able to sign that's of Lukaku's standards so I just think that we have to fight tooth and nail to to hold him and I'm confident that we will 
Um, well, then I guess we'll move on and chat about Liverpool quickly, one of your favourite teams, I'm sure, Tradesburg. Um, and, and in contrast, they've been quite active in the uh, transfer window with um, a fair few signings coming in, such as Matip, Karius, Mane, Clavan and uh, Vinaldum. While they've also managed to, to sell quite a few players for impressive fees, I mean, Allen for $13 million, Ibe for $15 million, um, just as a couple of them um, is just yeah. 28 million between them, so they they've managed to recoup a lot of the amount that they've spent in the window. Um, do we see that those signings is giving them that push towards top four, or do we still see them as that rung below? Um, I don't see why they can't challenge for fourth. I think, in all honesty, I've currently have the two Manchester clubs and Chelsea as just about lock-ins for the top three. I think the race for that last championship spot will be incredibly interesting. Um, there's a lot of class in and around there. I think obviously Tottenham will be right there. No reason Tottenham can't push on, finish top, th- try and finish top three. Um, Arsenal, you can never rule them out. <laughs> the Masters are finishing fourth. Um, and I sort of probably currently rank Liverpool behind those two clubs. Um, and then there's Leicester City, who we cannot forget won the league last year, so you can't just act like they're not there anymore. So I sort of think that Everton will actually, and Liverpool will actually be in a very similar sort of position. I think fourth will be the goal, but I currently see them probably finishing sixth, probably about sixth. Be you, sorry? Probably, probably behind Tottenham and Arsenal and then obviously the, the three bigger clubs. And what do you think, um, JD, where do you reckon Liverpool can aim to finish? Um, yeah, they could definitely make top four. It's just that, you know, in, in midfield they're a bit. I still think a little bit light on, a bit weak. Um, Chan's a very, very good player, but still not sure about Henderson. Um, I think Joe Allen could have done a job in a different setup. Um, he showed that for Wales at the Euros. He's he's quite a good player, but they've sold him and, and brought in. Is it, have they brought in any central midfielders? Maybe well, they're, gonna, they're going to try and play Van yeah. there, yeah. Which, yeah, he, I don't that, think that's he's kind a of midfielder. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of robbing um, his best assets. I think we're we're getting into the box and scoring, but yeah, I think that front four they've probably got six, seven guys that can play through there that are very, very good. I think Mane will be a great signing. Um, yeah, just. Also, how many points Mignolet could cost them and Moreno. They haven't uh, solved those problems permanently. Well, they, did, they did sign um, young Karius from the young German yeah, goalkeeper. that's a still an, an unknown, and now he's got a broken hand. Yeah, um, which is, yeah. He's out for a couple of months. But you never know. Like He's he's a pretty young in goalkeeping terms. So you know, he might be obviously better than Mignolet, but... You know, he'll still probably have his moments where, you know, he takes off a few points. He's, he's a project as well. I think yeah. he has all the tools to be a really good player, but he's still really young and he needs to adjust to the England. That living in England, um, working his way into this team, I think he'll be in with the big sides like West Brom and, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I think he, I think Garius could honestly go down in this transfer window as their best recruit. I, I really like the signing of him, but he is a project. He's, he's not going to be a, a world-class keeper overnight. Um, it'll take him quite a few seasons to develop, and keepers generally do need to get quite a few full seasons under their belt to really kick on. So, got to give him time. Can't expect him to, to fix up their leaky, leaky goals. Yeah. 
and it's, I think it'll be a good season for, for them. It's, in, it's, it's interesting as well, though, because um, speaking of Mignolet and their keeping situation, it reminds me of the issues with Bogdan that they had last season. And I think Jod and a few others on the board have argued that they'll finish a fair few points better off because they'll have either Mignolet or um, Karius in goal rather than someone like Bogdan. But for every result against Watford they had where they had a calamitous performance, they also had a fair few decent performances against sides like Chelsea and Man City who I'm not sure if they'll do as well against this season. Match that, yeah. Yeah, and I think the thing with them is that they showed in the Europa League they're quite a good cup team. Um, so it'll either be a case of, you know, they're really pushing for a top three spot or, you know, Klopp just eyes off an FA Cup or something like that, um, where on any given day they could beat beat anyone. You know, guys like Mane have a, have a bit of well, a record now actually... of doing well against top teams. So, yeah. A question, well, I don't actually know what a Liverpool fan would ask, but I agree. I think Cups are Liverpool's greatest way of immediate success at the moment. Klopp needs to get his stamp, but whether Liverpool would prefer, well, would be okay with finishing somewhere like 6th or 7th or even 8th if it meant they won a Cup, or to solely focus on the league, have no Cup success, but then get a Champions League spot. So there's two ways of getting success, I feel. Liverpool fans will probably be saying, why can't we do both? But um, I think there's two ways of success. It's either, yeah, domestic cup, a uh, domestic cup. I, I, I don't even know if they're... Are they in Europe this season? No, not at no. I think so. Um, so, yeah, there's... Uh, like, an FA Cup, of course, are always a good thing to win some silverware, but uh, nowadays it's not as shown the respect to the FA Cup that it was once. Um, and then yeah. obviously Klopp signed a new six-year deal in the off-season as well, um, which is basically a four-year extension given he had two years to run on his existing deal. Um, what do we make of that? Do we see that as a good sign of confidence from both parties? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic sign of confidence. Um, I think, yeah, his first deal was three, three and a half years. So um, that's quite a shorter-term contract for for any manager, to be honest. They like to knuckle the manager down for a long time, and I can't even remember who said it, but as somebody stated earlier in the uh, podcast, a paid out of manager's nothing. So the fact that he was on a, such a short-term early contract, to me, I sort of thought that Klopp might use this Liverpool as sort of a stepping stone almost to get back up to a really, really big gig like a Real or a Barcelona. But... I sort of think that this shows that Klopp is serious about Liverpool. Klopp wants to build a, almost a bit of a dynasty here, and I think he's the right man for the job. I actually love Jurgen Klopp. I would rate him as a really, really good manager. I love the passion that he shows, um, and I think it's a great sign of confidence for both Klopp and to get such a long contract from a club of Liverpool's stature. And it's also fantastic for Liverpool to get a manager of Klopp's stature in on such a long contract. So I think it's a huge positive for the club. Um, we'll move on then and we'll chat about the promoted clubs and we'll, we'll start with um, 
the two automatic promoter clubs and work down to that club that um, went up in the playoffs places if we have to talk about them a bit later on. Um, but we'll start with Middlesbrough and Burnley. Um, Middlesbrough first up. And um, they've made quite a few impressive signings in the off-season. They've got Valdez in on a uh, free transfer whilst they've managed to get Negretto on a loan contract where I believe they've got that obligation to buy at the end of it. I assume only if they stay in the Premier League, but it might be regardless. Um, and then they've made a couple of other signings, such as Ramirez um, and Guzan on free transfers as well. So um, they've bolstered their squad quite impressively and, and really look like they're aiming for that sort of um, 10th to 13th sort of finish. Yeah, and also like signed Victor Fisher, was it, from yeah. the Ajax swinger? Old and, um, FF, FM1, the kid. Yeah, yeah, so if he can... If he can do what he did in the game, he'll definitely uh, light it up there. But, yeah, there been some interesting signings. I think, and you'd know more, SM, um, Karanka is pretty highly thought of, I guess. Um, yeah. Was he, was he Mourinho's assistant? Yeah, I think he was Mourinho's assistant at Real Madrid. So I think he yeah. used that to his advantage to get a few decent signings for Borough when he first yeah. went across um, with think a few he... Chelsea players on loan. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how he how he actually does go tactically against you know better sides and, and stuff like that. Because I think that's the key for for a lot of these promoted sides is is their manager um, if they can adapt quite well and, and and find a tactic for them. Yeah, there's no reason they can't finish mid table. He's got the he's got the tools at his disposal. Like they've they've had a really good transfer window. I feel for a club that's just been promoted, you you could have had a club of I don't know a Crystal Palace could have signed a lot of these yeah. players, and we would be talking like they've recruited pretty well. So for a, a newly promoted team, I also like the fact that they've got a bit of experience, like Negredo, Valdez, Ramirez, like Aguzar. These are players that have played a high standard for many years so they know what it takes to to stay around in the Premier League and I think or well, even though Kuzan last season didn't but I think that having that experience helps them helps the players that haven't played in the Premier League before adjust to the standard and the pace and the physicality so I, I think they will have no problems dodging relegation They've also got Stuart Downing, who who uh, made the really impressive decision to drop down a division last season um, to play for them and try and get them promoted, which obviously ended up working out quite well. Um, on the Karanka front, it, it, the interesting point in our discussions earlier about managers changing um, tactics or changing philosophies to bow to sort of external pressures is an interesting one when it comes to him because he had a lot of issues during the season where I think the board probably... Uh, signed a couple of players like Downing and also Jordan Rhodes in January who he didn't necessarily want and so he didn't end up he didn't initially play them um, as much as the fans wanted and I think the fans for a while cried out for um, him starting with two strikers up top and he had a bit of a strop and almost left the club at one point because he played two up front in a couple of games and they started to go on a really bad run where they couldn't win any game and he um, basically had a go at the fans in the media and said, well, I hope the fans are happy because I'm playing two up front, um, but we're not winning any games. And he actually got to a point where he, he left the club for a game and they had a caretaker in charge. And, and everyone oh, thought yeah, he'd actually, yeah, they thought he'd actually gonna, he was going to quit the club, but um, 
thankfully, from their point of view, he managed to reconcile their differences and, and came back in charge. But no, I just thought it'd be an interesting point to add to um, that discussion about the philosophies because, um, it, I mean, that's an example, I suppose, where you've got a, a manager who does kind of bow to the pressure eventually and, and it doesn't actually work out. Yeah. Well, he, he's, de- he's definitely worked under Jose Mourinho before. After hearing that, I didn't know that. Yeah. But um, yes, <laughs> he definitely used to work with Jose. <laughs> um, yeah, and so obviously, I mean, Stuart Downing coming back up with him is probably a, a decent player to watch out for because, as, as you guys say, they've got quite a few players now who've got that experience in the top division who'll, who'll help them out. Negretto's the interesting one because, for, I mean, he was so good early for Man City, but... He had that injury. Was it a back injury or something? And and he really struggled after that, and even struggled at Valencia. So, um, oh look, I mean, if he can get six or seven goals for them, that's probably all they want out of him. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be quite interesting. Um, and then obviously Valdez as keeper. A striker at a, at a club of that standard though doesn't have the pressure to go and score twenty. Yeah, 25 goals in a season, whereas when he was playing in Manchester City, that's the standard, that's what needs to be done. But as you said, if, if he can, like he's not going to play every, every week, but if he can get nine goals from mid-20s, mid early 30s, 30 appearances, then that'll be an exceptional, exceptional um, goal ratio for a, for a player of a, a club that's just been promoted. So and he, and there's no reason why he can't. I think he's I think he's a really good, really really good striker, proven at a top level. Um, I know he's had his injuries and his aging a little bit, but there's nothing stopping him from being a really good striker. And I'm also personally a little excited to see how Jordan Rhodes yeah, yeah. can go yeah. in the Premier League. Like he's tore the Championship up for years, and I'm I'm still surprised that no Premier League club actually took the punt on him. So well, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does go. When we sold Shane Long two seasons ago, um, and I think we got about 12 million for him, we did put a bid in for Rhodes for about 10 million because I think Bruce was really keen on him. And I have a sense that it was basically accepted. And then the the Venkies um, at Blackburn basically turned around last minute and actually changed their mind. Um, so I think, like, obviously we'd been interested, and I think maybe a few clubs might have been interested, but they had a massive price tag on him, and um, obviously eventually they caved and, and sold him to Borough. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Was it? It was over 10 million. I think Borough paid for him. Yeah, because I think they, I think they had a, a similar 10 million pound. But I think that's probably what did scare the champion uh, Premier League clubs off. Sorry, a little bit paying. Mm. 12, 15 mil or whatever it eventuated to be for a player that's never played in the Premier League. Yeah. Only, yeah, only played in the division below the Premier League is a is a big a big price to pay. But he's worked his way up and he's got there via promotion. So hopefully that he actually gets games because I actually like him as a player. And yeah. When he was back at Huddlesfield Town and then he kept going on at another club at Blackburn Rovers. and So there's no reason he can't do it again. Um, if he gets the game time. <laughs> and another player who, who's really worked his way up and looks a good prospect is um, a player for Burnley who we'll, we'll chat about now. Um, Andre Gray is another striker, and I think, JD, mm. you might know a bit about him from his time at Brentford. Um, he's one that I, I really like the look of, and um, as we were linked with him at the same time as we signed Odebajo from Brentford. And I was really hoping we'd get him because I just knew if, if we signed him, he'd be that final piece in the puzzle. And... He went to Burnley and, and proved me right, um, topping the goal scoring for the season. Um, he, he's someone, I think, like in the same mould as a Callum Wilson or someone, I think he can have a, a, a really good debut season in the Premier League for Burnley. 
Yeah, I think he, he's got definitely the attributes to, to be a, a good Premier League striker. He's quite quick and um, he's not a he's not panicky in front of goal. Um, yeah, I think I've watched him a few times at Burnley, I mean at Brentford, and um, yeah, you could just tell that, that he could, could be the guy that, because it was when they were kind of pushing for playoff spots and stuff, that he was the guy um, that could push them up. Um, but yeah, their, their money ball tactics were that, you know, the bid they got, was it 10, 12 million they uh, sold from, him for? From Burnley. No, I think it was only oh, maybe six or seven. I think it was six okay. million with add-ons. So it might have, yeah. ended, it might have ended so up being eight or nine or something. Yeah. yeah. So they obviously thought, you know, they had targets in mind for about a mil, but you just can't replace that that Premier League quality when you're in the championship. And, and that's what he definitely has. Um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how he goes. I think there's no... He could definitely be the um, the Galo of, of this season, yeah. really. Um, well, he actually has got a Jamie Vardy sort of story. He started off in the conference, I think. Yeah. He was playing for Shrewsbury Town and then went on loan, I think, a little bit in the conference, worked his way throughout the leagues, and now he's... In the Premier League, so it's it's actually a wonderful story. Yeah, it's a great story. I think he he got stabbed in the face uh, at some point in his career. So he's got a big scar down his face. Oh. And he, I remember reading a story about how he says that he he's never kind of wanted to to get that fixed up or anything because it sort of reminds him of where he's come from. And and that sort of thing, hearing that from a, a player who's you know now in the Premier League, is it, kind of quite refreshing to hear. And, and as you say, it's kind of similar to Vardy, where you look at those guys and they seem like proper footballers they, they're not sort mm, of bit rough. Um, bit yeah, rough a bit, bit rough edges. bit rough not, you know, old, pretty keen for a scrap school. yeah exactly you know it's good. Yeah, it, it makes it makes a good viewing as well when you see players just so passionate and just yeah just don't give a crap yeah, no, yeah exactly. I think regardless regardless of whether they stay up or not I still think he'll get at least 10 goals yeah, for them no, I agree. Um, yeah whether or not there's enough quality um, around him or not I'm not too sure they yeah. think they might struggle a little bit to stay up, but they don't want to become a yo-yo team. And if they go down again, they're going to get that reputation. And then it also yeah. makes it really hard to sign players when you, you're always up and down, up and down, because you, you sign players in the in the Premier League and then they leave because you've just been relegated. And then when you're trying to recruit Premier League players, they don't want to go to your club because you, they think you're going to get relegated again. So well, you, you really don't want them. That reputation of being a yo-yo team. Yeah, it's interesting. So they, they need, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do, but they really, really need to try. And if, if they can stay up, it'll be huge for the club because they'll have that platform to then build mm. on. And like West Brom were a yo-yo team for quite a while there, but they built off of where they were, dodge relegation now, and now they're a solid mid-table team. So like, I think that's what Burnley need to go. And then once you're mid-table, you can fight to the Europa League and uh, like, Obviously, that's easier said than done, but they, they need to build off this platform that they've got. So, hopefully, yeah. they, can. they won the championship last year. Yeah. I mean, they seem to have the same strategy as they had last time they went up, where they don't necessarily seem to care if they stay up, though. I mean, I know you're saying they need to avoid becoming that yo-yo club, but their, their quality of signings, not that I'm necessarily knocking them, but they're, they're picking players. So, last time they came up... I remember they signed George Boyd off us, and, and this time they've picked up a couple of players from Charlton, who I'm sure mm. um, love the prospect of being Premier League footballers, but if they go down, wouldn't necessarily kick up a strop if they're back in the championship. So, I mean, Burnley, yeah. Burnley's owners seem to be quite happy to 
um, not in a malicious way, as as we'll get onto with Hull, but they they seem quite happy to pocket a lot of the money and use that as a fund for buying quality Setting when they're the back world. in the championship. So buying yeah. players like Gray when they're down in the championship. So I think they're sort of looking at a long-term view where, and I think they did it as well when they were up in um, 09-10, where they, mm. they don't sign a heap of players, but they stay financially stable. They have a decent fund yeah. to buy players in the championship. And over time, if that means they become a, a more stable Premier League club, then, then that's where they'll end up. Yeah, well, I think they are. They are doing, definitely playing their own kind of game with it, where they're, you know, they're, they're putting a lot of the investment, I guess, off the field as well. Um, yep. I do think they're talking about new training facilities and stuff like that. So I guess they're, they're thinking, yeah, signing these Charlton guys, if, they, if we do go down, we've got parachute payments and we've got guys who are capable in the, in the lower division. Um, yeah, I, I do think there comes a time, though, where they've got to, got to pull the pin and, and have a go. And I it also makes agree. it hard... Makes it hard to keep Dyche as well. Like they've obviously got you know a lot of faith in him, and he proves himself in the championship every time. But second relegation probably would spell the end, and kind of you know defeats the purpose of what they've tried from from the very beginning because they haven't given him a, ch- a proper chance to stay up. Do you think in recent history? I think I think sorry. I think the first right. time that they were promoted was about two thousand and. Because yeah. I yeah. think they actually bet they bet Everton <laughs> like in one of their first games back up. Um, like that that is seven years ago. Like if they're still trying to be a really good championship club, like where's the intent? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sold on it. I know it, if you don't have the money there, you can't go and buy all these players. So you, they're trying to do the best that they can with the funds there. That money ball tactic is is sort of the way it has to be has to be done. But I. Th- I think they seriously have to just go hard or go home. I don't know. They need to start showing some serious intent. And it's hard, but I don't know. They need to go and make a, try and make a statement of some respects. Like, and that can be done without having to spend a lot of money. JD, when you say that a second relegation might be the final straw for Daesh, do you mean in the sense that they would sack him or he might move on to another club that has a bit more ambition? Because I, I rate him quite highly as a manager. And could, be, easily, could be either, really. Yeah, because I could easily see him getting a job yeah, at, it could at be either. Palace or somewhere like that. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely could be either. He could say, well, you know, my reputation's being ruined here. I got that sense last time they were up. They... They weren't awful. They weren't like an Aston Villa where you're like, there's no idea here. It just looked like a championship team playing in the Premier League when Burnley were up. So, you know, what can you what can you do if you're if you're dice, you know, you can you can get the odd upset here or there, but you can't get forty points, you're not gonna stay in the league. So he'll he'll definitely look at it. Um, unless he's he's already bought into a, a longer term, you know, it'll be our third time up that we that we kinda consolidate. Whether or not, you know, you don't know the owners and, and manager might already have those talks in place where, you know, they say to him this time or the first time you've got, say, five mil to spend, this time you've got 10, 15. Um, and then the third time you go up, we'll, we'll give you 30, 35. Like, it could be could be something like that. And it would be quite, I think, quite a good tactic for it because they are very small, uh, um, not rich championship club. Not a bad idea to play that card, but it does take a lot of uh, commitment from everyone to to buy into you know what's well, a five year project and and two re- relegations along the way. I don't see it being that, but 
you, ne- you never know. That could be <clears throat> what they're thinking. Um, yeah, I do see like sides like Fulham and QPR and the way they, they go about it when they go down and come up has also not been the right way. So it's kind of a bit of a balance of both. What do you do? Do you start signing 30, 35-year-olds like Middlesbrough have who, you know, right now we, we think Valdez and Negredo are great, but, you know, these are the type of guys that, that got QPR and, and Fulham into a bit of strife. So, yeah, there's a balancing act there. And we've seen now QPR and Fulham haven't gone close to promotion since they've gone down. So... And they've both spent yeah. way more money than Burnley have. Yeah, so you got to you got to think about like it's quite easy to say, oh, you know, you've got, you've got no ambition here, but they've also kind of got a safety net where if Burnley do go down, they're going to finish top six, whereas Fulham go down, and maybe not so much Newcastle this time, but you know when those sides with massive wage bills go down, and seven eight players leave and ten come in, you never know where that could end up. Fulham, you know, almost went down to League One doing that sort of tactic. So, yeah, I hope for their sake, they even if they do go down, they stick with Dyche and he sticks with them and they, they have another crack at it. Because um, the money's got to be going somewhere. And, and like you're saying, they're not, they don't appear to be doing... There's no rumblings from Burnley fans or you know, in the papers that they're doing anything dodgy. Yeah. So the money's going somewhere. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so there's yeah, <laughs> it seems like there's a project. Speaking there of, still, um, there's still a month of the window as well, so there's still time for him to yeah, to do do some stuff. Speaking of um, do- clubs with owners doing something a bit dodgy, I think we'll move on to the final promoted club then, and and talk about my club in Hull. Um, and when we when I wrote up these um, <laughs> these previews and I wrote up notes for um, last weekend, <clears throat> I did up a list of all the signings each club had made, all the sales each club had made, and when I came to do it again for this week, I, I updated most of the clubs. Um, with Hull, I didn't have to change anything because we still haven't made a single signing. And I think um, I think Sunderland and Stoke have now made signings, so I think we're officially the last club to do anything. And, and our caretaker manager came out after our last pre-season game last night and said he didn't think we were going to make any signings before the um, first game of the season. So we're almost definitely going to have a youth prospect um, making some getting some game time against Leicester, which will be interesting to see, and we'll have Jake Livermore or, or Tom Huddleston at centre-back. It, 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 yeah, it, it's, ridi- it's ridiculous what's going on, but like, like, do you think, is it Michael Fallon? Is that who you yeah, caretaker yeah, at the yeah. moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, is Do you almost just have to give him the job for <laughs> even just, even, even just say, listen, you've got six months, we're giving you the job of building the team, because... If you go away a few more months, a few more weeks to bring in a new manager, then by the time the manager sits in, decides what if if he has any money, what he's going to do with it, what plays he's going to build in, build the squad, it'll be October, November by the yeah. time he's even got his stamp on the club. Yeah. Like at <laughs> least Mike knows knows the club, he'll be able to try and do something with it, and something is better than nothing. Yeah, I think all the fans are basically just crying out for some certainty. I think there's been so much up in the air about possible takeover, being scrapped, uh, possible manager. Um, We've been linked to Martinez, we've been linked to Coleman, we've been linked to Zola. We just want some sort of certainty. And a lot of people are saying, just give it to Phelan. But the issue then is, if we give it to Phelan, it just shows that the club has absolutely no idea what they're doing because they've wasted two weeks. I mean... 
technically, I mean, you could say it's not wasted. I mean, if we'd been able to get Martinez, perhaps that would have been a better option. But we we basically put transfer talks on hold while we search for a manager. And if we end up sticking with the caretaker and still have no signings to show for it, it just just has such a bad look to it. Um, there's some rumours that, that a Chinese consortium is very, very close to taking over the club. So some suspect that perhaps there's been no movement on the manager or signings front because they're sort of waiting to see what the um, what the potential new owners want to do with it all. Um, which, if that's the case, I'm not I'm not totally upset about, purely because that would mean that the Alums are gone. Um, anything that can end up with um, any sort of change or certainty at the club is, is good in my books. I think there's just... I just can't understand the thinking with behind the Alums still being in charge because they had an offer of about $100 million on the table from an American group a couple of weeks ago. Then they went back to them and asked for more money and the American group got screwed around one too many times and basically walked away from it all. And since then, the value of the club is just declining because injury after injury with no, no one to replace them, um, the Alums are basically just losing their own money to spite the fans. It's probably a hard... Well, right... Right now, any potential new owner who has any idea about football, like without being disrespectful to you, no, mate, yeah. you're almost you're almost buying a championship club right now yeah. because it's going to yeah. be very hard to, to put a stamp on the club. So, 100 million for a club that's playing in the championship is but, a lot but, of money. But that's what I mean, exactly right. So, so when the offer came in from the Americans, it was basically um, when we got promoted. So, right after that Wembley game, there was theoretically. <clears throat> a deal in place that if we hadn't won that Wembley game, they would have bought the club for X amount, and if we did win the Wembley game, they buy the club for Y amount. And the Alums then reneged on that because they looked at us being in the champ, the the Premier League, and suddenly turned around and went, "Oh, hang on, we want a bit more money than that." So that was the first time they went back on the deal, and then they went back again a few weeks ago when I, which I alluded to. But but you're completely right, and that's what I'm saying is the Americans were willing to pay a hundred million um, to buy a newly promoted which is a club. lot of money. And they were going to give Steve Bruce about fifty million pounds to spend in the transfer market, so they were quite prepared to plough a lot of money into the club to keep us up and make us a Premier League club. Um, but as you say, the position we're in now, any any potential new owners, they're basically buying a Championship club. Um, we're not going to make any signings before the season starts. We probably won't make any before the window closes, and then we're, we're then we're as good as relegated, basically. And if you look at, like, if, if I was a, a potential owner looking to buy a football club, like, if, if you go and buy a championship club, obviously there's not the money in it, but you could be paying a hell of a lot less because yeah. 40, 100 million sounds crazy. Wolves were mm. just taken over, who played in the same league last year mm-hmm. as you guys. They cost 40 million pounds. Yeah, and it's, and it's the so, much, <laughs> much cheaper alternative. Is, I, in I, terms of... Sorry? I'm oh, sorry, yeah, no, continue. The only thing I can think of is that um, you look at our squad and, and on paper, when fit, our squad is essentially a uh, Premier League squad. When you look at, you've got Michael Dawson, Curtis Davies um, as very good centre-backs and you've got Maguire as a good young prospect at centre-back and then Andy Robertson and Odebajo at, at full-backs. That, as a defence alone, is a very top-quality defence, um, not to mention the fact that Hernandez as a striker is a, is a very promising striker who, who's also starting to look good internationally um, and, and a pretty decent midfield with guys like Snodgrass um, and Livermore uh, and guys like that. That's, that's probably our weakest line. But on paper, there's a lot of 
promise in the squad. So the only thing I can think is if a group wanted to buy the club and they'd basically have to put about 50 million in January. And I don't know who you attract in January, but mm. if they could, could stay already, up, then could already be gone though yeah, by then. Yeah. And that's the only thing yeah. I can think is that, that they'd be counting on us to stay up rather than buying a, ch- a club in the championship and gambling on going up. Mm. Do you think the, the Alums there, what's their game in this? So as a championship club, we use running a profit. Because like, no, uh, is this a case where they're banking parachute money for the, for the time being, so they'll run you into the ground yeah. this season, take so the, the money next yeah. season with a low wage bill, run at a profit, and then you know when the parachute money dwindles to a point that you're not breaking even in the championship or league one, they sell for a pound sort of situation is that where they're going with this or to to be perfectly honest i think what's happened is it all comes back to the name change issue and since they had their they the initial bid was rejected then they appealed that and that was also rejected and the day that was rejected um asem alarm basically said he wasn't putting any more money into the club and he's basically been true to his word because since then that January window, we basically signed... I think we signed Ndoy for $2 million or something, and that was out of the summer budget. Um, and then the following <clears throat> the following summer, after relegation, we basically sold players to fund transfers. So since then... Yeah. So, so basically, since that this, that appeal was rejected, he hasn't put anything in. Um, but what I don't... What I don't was, was that just... But what are they though? getting... What are they getting out though? Yeah, like, are you right. making? Were you making money? Like, is there a they, profit well, so going to directors here? Or yeah, well, we sold. I mean, I've, they haven't released the accounts for the last twelve months, so I don't actually know specifically where the funds are going. But I know that they sold Chester and Brady alone for about seventeen million, and then add I think about two million on top of that for Yelovich and we and also Ince I think for about five million. So we made maybe twenty five million last window and bought in. Um, Odebajo was the most expensive at 3.5, but I think we wouldn't have spent more than about 7 million all up on transfers. So, so that window alone, they did pocket a bit of cash. They'd be pocketing cash this window from the Premier League money. Um, and that's the only thing I can think is that they're pocketing a lot of that money to basically pay down the debt. Um, and maybe, I guess that's in a way a good thing. It makes the club more affordable for a new owner to buy, but... Um, your guess is as good as mine in terms of what their end game is in all of this. Because yeah, it just doesn't doesn't make any sense if they're they're getting a hundred mil sort of offer and they're not making twenty mil themselves a season while they're they're you know grinding this out. That just doesn't seem yeah. it, it, seem it, worth it even it, for uh, them. Yeah. Um, I mean, billionaires billionaires like to sorry billionaires like to yeah. say that they own a football club that they're the chairman of. Premier League club, whole city. They 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 like it. They do stupid, crazy stuff sometimes. Yeah. But they're not really acting like an owner here. They're just sitting back and letting, grinding something into the ground where it's, you know, almost certain to get relegated the way the way it is now, and, and then yeah. do nothing again once they're in the championship. Like, and why and would I don't yeah. know the contract situation of these guys, but why would Dawson, Livermore, Snodgrass re-sign with you? Yeah, and like I don't what? think they will. I mean, there's no point. We were quite lucky. I mean, Huddleston and Elmo re-signed while Bruce was still here, and I bet they're regretting that now. Um, but just as a final point, I think SM is quite ill, so there is also potentially the issue that um, the family is kind of focusing on spending time with him before he passes away. Um, 
and that that's the only defence I can think of in terms of why there's been so much inaction at the club recently. Um, so hopefully that's not the case, and hopefully he is okay. Um, but if that's the case, then, then that could explain why things have kind of ground to a halt. Um, they've said that they're going to restart takeover talks once the window closes, so the only hope is that, that something can happen there. But until then, um, I think finishing any higher than 20th is probably out of the question. And the one question I wanted to point post to you guys is, do you reckon that we'll finish with more points than that Derby side? <laughs> uh, uh, ask me in a month's time. Like, um, no, I'm serious. A month yeah. is actually a long time in football. Like, so much can happen. Like, you're probably not going to stay up, but you don't want to be talking being the lowest eight, point tally. Yeah. <laughs> Even Eight's if it's really very deep. low. Was it, was it eight? Yeah. I thought it was 11. I was, yeah. Oh no, yeah. Even that, that's very low. How how long are these injuries? Like, so Dawson know, Dawson's out for three months. Um, Odebajo, yeah. Bruce, and McGregor are all out for about six months. Yeah, yeah. Well, then <laughs> maybe the eight points could be <laughs> could be tackled here. Um, yeah, I don't. Oh, I don't know. Do, what? Yeah, it all depends as well on you know you're saying youth kids are going to come in. Some of them might might take their chance and and show a bit, but yeah, I, I never saw that that Derby side and and wasn't right into it back then, so I don't know how doom and gloom looked back back when Derby were there. But surely, what's that? Two wins two, and two draws, or to say even eleven to so three wins, two draws. Yeah, yeah, it's it's probably that's probably the target just to beat that maybe. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll see how we go from there. I've got a question for you, yeah. Sam. Like, can you even attack the loan market? Like, oh, you'd hope so. You, 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 you can bring in players without having to spend much. Yeah. Like some of the big clubs have no worries loaning out their promising young players, like as Chelsea do, ridiculous amounts of, but loaning out, like getting promising young loanees from the top, top uh, Premier League teams who would still be able to do a, a, a job for a club trying to avoid relegation. And, and it's, the, yeah, it's, it's been... the weird one, because, I mean, I think I think the rumour is that Mourinho is basically sitting by the phone saying, look, do you still want Phil Jones on loan? Because I think we were interested when Bruce was, was manager, um, and he's still pretty happy to loan us Phil Jones. So it's almost like there's a player sitting there ready to come across who plays in a position where we need depth. We have one fit centre-back. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, the owners apparently have approached... City and um, um, Liverpool with loan bids for Benteke and Bonnie, which I think is a bit um, bit out of our reach, I suspect. I think they were willing to pay something like 15k a week for um, Benteke to take him on loan. I don't think Liverpool would have taken too kindly to that generous offer. But, yeah, look, I mean, if nothing else, if we can bring in two loans, it would give us a few fit bodies and, and bolster the squad a little bit. So um, I have to hope something happens before the window closes. Fingers crossed for you, mate. Yeah, well, no worries. <laughs> but um, thank, thank you both for coming on, and also Cruyff for coming on earlier um, to chat uh, all things football uh, for the pre-season. No worries. Cheers, thanks for having us. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening in. Hopefully uh, you've enjoyed this podcast, even if I did get a bit glum at the end there. And uh, we'll be back next week to preview the first set of fixtures as well as round out the uh, the rest of the teams Um to preview. So until then, we'll see you on the forums. Well, I bet that you look good on the